The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. sermon on this sermon series. Let me say hi to Miss Mary. Everybody say hi. Hi. All right. I see you're on there. That's why I can say that. <laughs> so today is going to be very simple. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. It's a passage of scripture that we've talked about. We've had a Bible study on. Y'all have seen quoted several times. Well, I entitled it, The Church's Daily Devotion. Now, when I talk about this aspect of the church's, I think I wrote that on there as well, yes. The church's daily devotion. I'm not talking about a little book or a particular reading plan or a daily personal Bible study. That's not what I'm talking about. While those are good habits to have, um, that's not the subject for today's message. What we're going to talk about, it has to do with Acts 2, 42 through 47. So let's look at that real quick. I'm going to read the whole thing to you, and then we're going to break it down, okay? We're going to break it down a little bit differently than maybe we've done in the past, or maybe you've seen it. So let's do this. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I want to break this down, but I want to say before we get too far, we need to start with the right perspective on this whole passage. And we've talked about something throughout the whole time that I've been I've been preaching and teaching on the church, something very specific. And we talked about when we look at a text, there's a difference between a descriptive text and a prescriptive text. Remember that a descriptive. What does it do? It describes something, right? So I look at Aiden, Aiden has tan pants with a gray jacket hoodie on tonight, okay? That's describing something. Now, if I said the text was prescribing something, it's what? It's giving us a command, correct, of what we're to do. So when I look at what Aiden's wearing tonight, what Aiden, what I gave was a description. There is no prescription that everyone has to wear what Aiden's wearing, Right? Aiden's one. It's a description. So when we look at certain accounts, when you look at that passage of Scripture, are we looking at something that's being prescribed, where we're being commanded to do? Or are we looking at something that is being described? I mean, like like I said, what what what, what Aiden's wearing tonight? What are, what are you looking at here? Y'all can we're going to answer this out loud. What do you think? Description or prescription? Description, right? It talks about what they were doing, correct? And this is the thing. All too often, when we look at these things, this text is descriptive. And, and so how we, de how we de uh, define or how we view the text determines how we apply it. 
And so for so many, we look at this description. The first thing we want to do is we're like, oh, well, the early church was doing it this way. So we need to do this. And I know of churches that met every night thinking that's even what this passage of scripture says. By the way, this passage of scripture does not say you go to church every, every day. Nowhere in here does it say it. It gives a description of things that the early church was doing. But we can think of all the reasons surrounding this, why they might be doing it. So I would rather give a description and see how it applies to us. Rather than saying this is a prescribed thing, we have to do this. Because it's not there. So one of the first things I want to talk about is this word. And it, it asked a question. I didn't put a blank there. I said, what is devotion? And I gave you that definition. You see that Greek word? And uh, proskoterio, which means to adhere to one. To be is adherent, to be devoted or constant to one, to be steadfastly attentive to unto, to give unremitting care to a thing, to continue all the time in a place, to persevere and not to faint, to show one's self-courageous for, um, to be in con constant readiness for one, wait on constantly. So when we use this word, for devoted, they were devoted to certain things. These are things they were what? They were committed to with all their being, right? Now, let me ask you a question. When we talk, when we're fixing to go into this, and we're going to list these four things the church was devoted to, okay? Let's look at it. The church was devoted to, in Acts 2.42, it says what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. So they were what? They were devoted to one is what? The word of God, right? A little one under the church was devoted to. They were devoted to the word of God. It says the apostles' teaching. Did they have a full Bible at that time? Did they have the New Testament yet? No, because the New Testament hadn't been written. What did they have? They had the Old Testament, right? And they had the teachings of Christ being passed down by the apostles, right? Okay. So they had the, that's why they said that we, they were devoted to the teachings of God, the word of God, that what they had. They were also devoted to what, secondly? They were devoted to the local and uh, the local invisible church. They were local, they, they were devoted to the fellowship is what it says. And when it talks about fellowship, they were not just devoted to dining together. Um, it wasn't just devoted to the party. Yes, there might have been an agape feast of sorts, if you want to call it that, but I will say this, they were devoted to one another in the gathering together. Now, I know this looks different, and I know things happen. This That did not mean that everyone was gathering every time, but I will say this, in a society, even there, they would gather together. But was also they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, I would say this would be number three, would be communion. And the reason why I always say this, because what do we know at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, what did he do? We do it every Sunday. We take communion, and the first part is this, what he, the Lord took the bread, he gave thanks for it, and he broke it, right? The breaking of bread is a very specific symbol or statement given by what the actions of Christ are. And this is how he did it. He took the one, the one body that represents his body, right? 
And what did it, why did they break it and they divided it? Because his one body was given for whom? All his people, right? So for many. So the one loaf fed all of his that were there, right? So it's very important to see this breaking of bread. So that aspect is part of a feast. So the communion was part of it. And the last part was four, the number four was what? And to, they says, and the prayers. But when we talk about prayers, we're not talking about the common book of prayer from the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, the Methodist Church, or whoever other church that created a prayer book. Okay? By the way, there are books of prayers for specific occasions, and people just read them. Huh? They were devoted to prayer. Now, are there just one? Is there just one type of prayer? No. We when we praise the Lord in song, is that is that a form of prayer? Yes, right. We talk about praising God. We talk about praying um, for. Uh, we pray the Lord's prayer, which is the Lord give us our daily bread. The Lord do these things and, and keep us from evil and. Uh, well, uh, forgive us as we've forgiven others. And we look at the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, and it's there. We talk about, um, we pray for the needs of others, right? There's intercessory prayer. There's imprecatory prayer, which means we pray God's judgment upon those who are unrighteous, that God would deliver us from their hand. Imprecatory means not good things. We pray things that God's wrath be poured out. There are times when people are do evil things that we don't pray for God's swift hand of love and we want God's wrath to stop these type of activities. All right. So those are they were devoted to these things. That means those were the most important things to them. Well, guess what? Did they do this 24 hours a day? No, it's no way possible because what happens? We have responsibilities still at home, right? We still have, we have work to do. There's, there's our children to raise. There's things to be done all around. So we know that these are the things that they were devoted to. They're constantly thinking on They're They're praying and they're doing these things. Yes. But there's something a little bit more to this passage of scripture and that's, why I say it can't be a prescriptive. This could be a prescriptive thing. Say, listen, we ought to be devoted to the Word of God. Yes, we need to be devoted to the body of Christ um, and the and the gathering together. We need to be committed and devoted to as we take communion of representing what it means as the body of Christ and and taking that. Yes, we need to be devoted to prayer. Those are all good things that we ought to be doing and ought to be in the habit of doing. Okay. But then there comes this other part that I think is even, even better for us to understand. And that's B, under B, the church's response to or application of this devotion. In this passage of Scripture, the church's response to or application of this devotion. How did they respond to this devotion? How did they apply this devotion? Because what we want to do is we often want to make it about us and us alone or our family and our family on or our church does church this way. And I, I've had conversations with people that are like uh, and Shelly did the same thing. But one of the things I'm going to get to is 
we need to have more conversations with people regarding our church gathering. I think so. And people are going to look at it, and I'm going to tell you, maybe 90, 95% are going to go, oh, y'all meet in a home. Oh, okay. They might not consider this being a church. Y'all understand that. But does that mean that we don't stop, we stop applying this devotion? Oh, it tells us exactly what we're to do. The church's response, if we really look at it, it's, it's verse 43 on, verse 44 really, but on. But read this with me. And it says, I'm going to read the whole thing, uh, verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, do you think that our devotion is to it, our devotion is only existent if miracles are being done in our midst? No, because God does all God miracles don't don't mean that that doesn't that's not where we're we're only we're not just devoted where miracles happen. Miracles are great things. They're they're but they're a work of God. Okay. But look at what it says. And all who believed, this is why I underlined it on the screen, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favor with all people. Now, let me let's listen to this. Here, here's, a, here's the description that I'm seeing. This is how they're applying it. First, the people had a common purpose. The people of God had a common purpose. They had all things in common. One thing they had, one of the main things they had in common is what? The Lord Jesus Christ is their Savior. Not only their Savior, but their Lord. Whether or not, that, which I'll tell you, as of right now, they have not heard Paul say, because Paul is, is going to be in just a short time about to be persecuting the church. They're not going to have not heard say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. They haven't heard that yet. They just saw the risen Savior die for his friends, lay down his life for his people. So what we see here, their response is this. They had all, the people of God had a common purpose. That was to know him without a doubt, and make him known. But see, there's something else that, that kind of slipped in here, something that I just I, I, that just was reiterated for me. The people of God fulfilled the second greatest commandment. And I know that's a lot of blanks. I did it on purpose. But I want you to think about this. The people of God secondly fulfilled the second greatest commandment. It says they were selling possessions and belongings, distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. What were they doing? The second greatest commandment, the first greatest commandment, the first and great command is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. The second is like it, Jesus says, and what is that? Love your neighbor as yourself. So when they looked, they weren't all just selling everything and getting ready to go on a long journey, okay? We're not talking about that. What would they do? As they saw a need, they loved their neighbor. They loved a person more than what their possessions were, and they knew that their possessions were only limited in this time. So these people fulfilled their second greatest commandment because as anyone had need, needs were being cared for, right? Now, what are some of those things? Who are some of our neighbors? 
I mean, don't name neighbors. I mean, I'm not talking about, well, I have, you know, I have a neighbor here and I have a neighbor there, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But our neighbors, the first and foremost, who are the ones that are going to have the greatest need? You have the what? The widows, the orphans, and the foreigner, right? The widow and the orphan, and then the foreigner has no clay to claim on anything, right? So we need to look at that to love those neighbors as ourselves in their need. You got these these already that are oppressed, possibly oppressed or hurting, and then you have you have Christ come, he dies and is resurrected, and the early church, they're losing stuff. They're losing their place in society, they're being condemned by the by the uh, by the by the all the Jews, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're they're being hated in many ways. And so what happens? Instead of looking at their thing and saying, listen, I need to make live, make sure I have enough of a goose egg or to, to save up, to take care of me and my own, what they do? They looked at everything and said, listen, I look at my brother or my sister over here in need, and I'm going to take care of them. Now, I'm not saying these people were – I mean, these were truly in need, right? But also there was something else. Three, the people of God shared their lives. They not only had everything in common, they not only uh, distributed the proceeds uh, to those who had need, but they uh, – but they – they uh, they attended the temple together. They broke bread in their homes. Now, once again, I, I can come back to this place of saying they took communion and remembered in their homes. But the point is, is what did they do? They shared their lives. Now, I want to say this. It says it didn't say daily, but it says day by day, which when you look at the thing, it says on occasion as they did it. They met in homes, and they shared their lives. One of the most important things we can do is, yes, to to encourage one another and to build one another up. And as we gather, we meet, and we share our needs, we share our hurts, we share those things, and we're able to what? We build the body of Christ up. We comfort one another. We encourage one another. We correct one another. We do these things. But they shared their lives. Day by day, and as they did, they were broke and, and remembered what the Lord had done for them. They ate in homes. But fourthly, they also, there's something that stuck out. And we're talking about the application of this devotion. And it says, they pray, verse 47, it says, praising God and having favor with all the people. The, the thing is, people of God have favor with all people. Y'all remember uh, as I was preaching through this and I talked about one of the one of the characteristics of an elder overseer is they had to have a, a good reputation with outsiders. Isn't it interesting that many of these characteristics and those things are, if you remember what I talked about, was what? They not only had a good reputation, but these are characteristics that every believer should have. It's just... Occasionally, what happens? There are people who do these things, and they're looked at, and they're set apart for this purpose. But we all ought to be working at and building these things into our lives. And one of those things was that they had favor with all the people. So what does that mean? What is it? What does all people mean? What do you think? I'm not, I'm what do you think favor with all people means? Does it mean just with Christians? No. It means with everyone, all people, outsiders. 
Now, are there things, can we say this? Are there things that we, are there moments that we know that people are not going to look on us favorably, even if we're doing right? Absolutely. But they had favor with all people. What does that mean? Their devotion impacted more than just their life, their family, their Christian church circle. That means their life affected all people. It was being applied outside. Their devotion to God's word, their devotion, when we look at that, their devotion to the, the church, their devotion to communion, devotion to prayer, impacted all people that they came into contract with. And, and this is one of those aspects that we have to we have to be reminded of. The reason why Okay, so something really a very impactful statement, a very impactful it's, the church is not the church is not what everyone thinks. It's, it's the people of God. And I've said that. The church is not a place, it's not a gap, it's not just where you go, but it's the people of God. I, I was sharing I was sharing with Henry a while ago that when Bojara was speaking, I shared with Shelly earlier today, I said one of the things that stood out and y'all, y'all know who, who Bojadar is, and Bo, for Bojadar to say this, told, shared it, it meant something to me, because he was trying to say something bigger than than just surface level. And what he said, he basically, it didn't matter what we know, what we've read. It doesn't matter. He's safe. It doesn't matter how much you've read. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm just going to add to this. No matter what kind of church you go to or how big the church or how small, it doesn't matter. We aren't the church. We aren't the church until we open our mouths. The church shows up when we speak. The church is not invisible. A church that doesn't speak, he said, is an invisible church. For the church to be visible, we have to speak, and and our words have our words have consequences, don't they? Now we we think about this. What we say and we do always have consequences, but what we say can make a major impact. We are the church of the living God. When we speak forth his word, when we speak forth what he has done, what he has called us to be, and what we, the reason why reason why most things don't happen is we know what we're to do. Most people in Christian, in, in Christian churches know what God's word says they're to do. And when the time comes, he's just their personal Jesus. They don't speak. And because they don't speak, the word doesn't go out. They are a light under a basket. We are the church. No matter what our age is, no matter who we are, we are the church when we speak forth. And one of the things is we have to – and this is why. You can't have just favor because you give people lots of things. People are going to love you for giving to them, but they're always going to expect you to give. It's not a sign of a Christian that you give all the time. It's not a sign of a Christian just because you know God's word. 
it's a sign of a Christian when we speak forth his word into the lives of others. And that's what, that's what I know. And I know this to be true from this thing. It's a very last little point and probably the shortest sermon y'all heard me teach or anything in a long time. C, the results of the church's devotion. And this is easy. The results of the church's devotion. That last verse in verse 47, it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The results of the church's devotion is they praise God, they have favor with all people, and the Lord adds to their number daily those who are being saved. How can they hear without some, if y'all remember, go back, to, go back to Scripture. How can they hear without someone, what, preaching to them? And then it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There's a reason why. The results of the church's devotion are that people, is, is that number one, God's kingdom's growth. Expansion of the kingdom. But all too often we think of it as, okay, they're just going to share the gospel and that's how, and yes, that is the power of God into salvation. But I will say this so much. Our devotion to God in all that we do in a daily basis is what changes these aspects. That's why when we talk about, that's when I talk about what happened, we we kind of laugh about it, although we didn't like what happened. I was gone yesterday and the game warden, we talked about the game warden show up because they think someone reported that we are caging buzzards. Because that's what people do. Um, the thing is, is I, I shared this with some others yesterday and they, they come, they came down. Obviously they, they took the, the gate off the hinge or whatever they did, open our gate, comes down this driveway they do all this, and my first thing is, is I, I just ask, what game wardens are here? What game wardens are with you? That's all I wanted to know, because if I knew them, they would at least, because I know every game warden that I, that's around here that I've talked to, they know what the, the that we have these eastern wild turkeys. They know, because I told them I had them, and I, I talked to them about it. None of those guys were here. But the guy I was talking to was a guy that I met about five years ago at the YMCA. And he used to come in every morning. I used to open the YMCA, and he'd come in every morning at 5 o'clock to work out. And I talked to him, and I said, as soon as he says no, I said, and then he knew my friend Lonnie. He used to come into our – he knew Lonnie and grew up with Lonnie's kids or something along that. And so we used to, he used to sit in the office when I worked for Lonnie. All those years ago when I was also working for the little oil and gas company. And I said, Cole, do you remember me? Remember I used to work at the Y? And he's like, man, I can't put a face to you. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, and Alvin off 2917. I said, yeah, that's me. He's like, oh, man. He goes, we're good. But the thing is, is he said he knew, what does he know? I'm a pastor. He knew what I talked to him about regarding the word of God. And I, I know I prayed for him one time. I He remembers the impact Years in advance, and that we jokingly say, Shelly always gets on and she's like, you know everybody. You talk to everybody about everything. And in this one moment, God, God, God sits there and, and he intervenes. But the impact is my, my character is based upon that relationship I had four to five years ago. It's not based upon today. 
He knew me and what I did then and so and why I did it. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about the church's devotion. When we are devoted to those things and we live it out as a people of God, what it does is it impacts the lives around. They didn't have to go over there. They didn't have to walk down our easement. They didn't have to go see one bird because he knew that there's no, I have no reason to do anything like that. But it's beyond that. Every conversation we have, I don't want anybody ever – We people might look at us weird because we meet in a house instead of a church – instead of a specific church building. But don't ever be ashamed of that. We don't meet in the house because we're less, lesser, a lesser church or lesser in the eyes of God. We don't meet in a house because we're failures. By the way, if anybody was a failure, it would be me. I don't view myself as a failure. As I, I, as I stated, six, seven years ago, I probably shared the gospel beyond preaching once or twice a year, at least once or twice a week. I have opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Now, I don't view a change of pattern or change of life or change of vocation or whatever work as a curse. I view that as God freeing me to do what he's ever always commanded me to do. When I talk about those, when I talk about those, those opportunities that God gives me, it's not because I want to say, look, look at me sharing Jesus with everybody. I want to encourage people. Don't be afraid because you never know what impact that's going to make. And when we share and we share the gospel, with them. Share what God has said. Share what Jesus has done. Don't be afraid. It doesn't matter how young you are, no matter how old we are, no matter where we are. Don't be afraid. There's a little old couple that we did a, a, a job for a couple weekends ago. When I met her, she says she had some really bad health issues. She really didn't want to talk about it, but they weren't really good things. And I said, can I pray for you? I ain't even got the job yet. If I didn't get the job, but I have no, I have no doubt that I'm gonna still I'm gonna pray for her and intercede on her behalf. Why? Because I think that's what God would have His people to do. I, God's gonna do what He wants to do in the first place. It's His will be done, right? And I pray that. But I'm not gonna stop this because I don't. I'm afraid that I might not get a job because someone might think I'm a Christian. Heaven forbid they know I'm a Christian. I'm not going to be concerned if someone doesn't want to talk to me or doesn't, if I invite them to come to church. Hey, come with us on our gathering. I, I guarantee you, it's laid back. We eat good food. We have a blast. Come, come join us. I, I'd love to have to, I'd love to have to do something, you know, different. I'd love to have our front yard full of people, of cars. It would not be a problem. I want us to I want us to understand that God's kingdom growth happens as a result of our devotion. And if they never step foot here, it still doesn't matter whether they come to church with us, come gather with us or not. We ought to be it, it, the application brings about results. This one homeowner that I'm with right now, they she shared with me that her and her husband both grew up Catholic and they went to a church in a, a town for over two years, and two weeks ago they joined. 
but she had never been baptized. And the reason why she had never been baptized because of many other things, but the Catholic church wouldn't even baptize her. And she always felt like she wasn't worthy. There's a difference between talking about the doctrine of our, of no one's righteous, no, not one, but thinking that you will never be worthy enough that to the point that God would even save you. It's horrible, isn't it? When you, when you hate to be told all your life, listen, it doesn't matter what you do, God, you're going to hell because of other people's decisions. You can't be baptized, therefore you can't get into heaven. It don't matter how much you want it. Your children are going to go to hell because they can't get baptized either. That would be a horrible thought, right? But praise be to God that this group, this church, regardless of the denomination or whatever it is, that they took them in, they discipled them, and they've grown them. And that they were not afraid to say, come alongside us. And for two years, they've been working with them and discipling them to the point that they both have come to Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Don't worry. The results, the results of the church's devotion is God's kingdom growth. And yes, so let's, let's just remember, God's the one who does the growth. But we have to be obedient to speak. We have to be obedient to speak. Let's be his church. And I promise you, you're going to have opportunities. You don't even have to force them. You don't have to force them. They'll come to you. Especially if you Lord just show me those things. Reveal those opportunities and let me share Jesus with someone. He will give you the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.